Welcome to the American Reformer Podcast, hosted by Josh Abatoy and Tymon Klein. Our mission is to promote a vigorous Christian approach to the cultural challenges of our day, rooted in the rich tradition of Protestant social and political thought. All right. Hello and welcome back to the American Reformer podcast. You've got, uh, as always, Josh Abatoy, Executive Director, Timon Klein, Editor-in-Chief. And we are joined by two uh, very fun and special guests today, Andrew Isker and CJ Engel. Uh, you can... I'm, I'm, fu- I'm, I'm fun and Andrew's uh, special. <laughs> That's right. Perfect. Perfect. Um, you can find their stuff over at Contra Mundum. You can find them on Twitter. We'll, do, we'll take care of all of that at the end. Uh, but uh, gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. Yes, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank so, you. I think we should start by revisiting a topic that I discussed with the two of you last week um, as the situation in Texas has sort of been uh, rapidly evolving. And... Um, we had a long conversation last week about the border situation, about Abbott's actions uh, to set the table. At the point that we had the conversation, um, Abbott had just been sued by the DOJ over laws that were coming down in Texas. That lawsuit's still going. Um, and also Abbott had, uh, the night before we recorded, uh, taken over uh, Shelby Park, Eagle Pass, a small section of the border that's been a particular pain point. He evicted federal border agents from that small stretch uh, because they were reportedly removing wire fencing that Texas has been installing. The thing that happened since then is um, the Supreme Court removed an injunction on the Biden administration that had told them they could not remove the fencing. And so now the Biden administration technically could continue to remove the the fencing while that case continues to play out officially. So it's a very minor granular flashpoint, but it's become a very big, it's, it's become a a very vocal one, at least. Um, That case came out. Of course, people were immediately making a stink about it on Twitter. And then I, I think to a lot of people's surprise, and I'll admit uh, somewhat to my surprise, Abbott came out with a statement that led with the words that the federal government has broken the compacts between the United States and the states. And then he went through it and detailed the ways in which they've done so. Um, And then uh, crucially towards the end um, invoked as an executive, this isn't, this isn't a legal brief, but as the executive, he says, it's my prerogative to invoke this invasion clause. We're being invaded and that, uh, that triggers uh, a constitutional uh, right for Texas to defend itself then. So so he's, you know, it, it's an interesting statement. We can get into breaking it down and analyzing it. But, but Abbott does that, gets a lot more acclaim. Governors across the country on the Republican side line up behind him. Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, lines up behind him. Um, and uh, and now, you know, where we sit today, uh, Abbott has a deadline. Uh, I think, does somebody know here? I think it's noon, so, something in the middle of the day here, by which he says Texas. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was 24 hours okay. yesterday. He says that Texas must uh, allow entry by this deadline. 
and Texas has signaled that they will not. So that's where we stand right now. Um, but I, I wanted to set the table here. Um, guys, how do you think, you know, how, how has your posture changed since we spoke last week in analyzing the situation? Uh, I, I think what you feel is um, momentum. Um, and that's what these, that's what these uh, governors need. Um, it's really hard to be like a like to, to do a one man stand here against um, the federal government, you know, which is like the, the most powerful empire in world history. Um, and obviously, they have their own economic and cultural objectives here uh, in, in regards to the border. Um, but when you have people piling on and you start to feel that momentum and you're not just feeling it from political leaders, but you're also feeling it from power brokers, you're feeling it from, um, you know, organizations and centers of power, because that's the, at the end of the day, you know, it's not about politicians living up to their ideals or whatever. It's about the clash of group interests. So when you have group interests that are actually employing political uh, and real world capital in order to achieve something and you have politicians like Abbott who are who are getting on board with that, that's when you have momentum. And not only do you have momentum there at the elite level, but you also have momentum at the grassroots level too. So this this um, this coalescing of the populace and uh, local elites and, and other power centers, um, that's when you have something that has staying power. Um, and, and those things kind of feed off themselves. Those things get more powerful um, once you once you stand the federal government down and you ignore their twenty four hour requests. Suddenly you're, you're you got skin in the game and you got to stick it all the way. This is going to get to a point where um, they've made it this far and there's no turning back. I mean, that's just how these things work. Um, so once they've got their foot in the water, I think they're going to dive in. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that too. Um, I, I think, you know, like CJ said, it, it, Abbott, I, I was skeptical, you know, when we talked two weeks, I was a little bit skeptical. I'm like, I don't know if he's going to be the great man, if he's going to rise to the challenge, right? The, the ball's in his court. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. And and he's continued and he's at this point now where he's in for a penny, you know, in for a pound where he's, he's gone all in on this. It's not going to be easy to back down and just give in. Um, and so the, the question is, you know, I mean, even, even like the federal government issuing an ultimatum is, is somewhat bizarre because if they had, you know, actual leverage that they intended to employ, they wouldn't give an ultimatum. They would they would just make a phone call and say you're gonna you're gonna back down or else we're gonna do this. Like they would they wouldn't issue a public ultimatum. They would do it in private. Right. Um. And so that that it seems like you know paper tiger kind of stuff. But at the same time, I mean, some of what what uh, Josh and and CJ and I discussed you know a couple of weeks ago was uh, the people ruling um, DC today right now are not very wise. They're not, they're not, I mean, they have a tremendous amount of power that we can't even really fully comprehend, but they're also very stupid in a lot of ways. And, and they could escalate this very foolishly and, and do something like, you know, pull highway funding or, or various forms of funding from Texas, you know, some sort of economic sanction on Texas to try to uh, cudgel them into submitting. And if, if that were through, if that occurs, I mean, it's, for one thing, this is an election year, and this is an incredibly uh, popular issue. Really, even across both sides of the aisle, like there are a lot of Democrats that that don't want the country to be invaded uh, by millions of people, and so. Well, this is yeah. I mean, old American labor, like the labor left. Yeah. I mean, they've all been hesitant about immigration. They kind of died out, but um, you could see that return with Fetterman. And, and yeah, like you, that. exactly. 
exactly like that's well, the thing well, people, Fe- yeah not fetterman but fetterman's replacement uh he's <laughs> awesome his clone yeah. yeah yeah he's great <laughs> yeah but the, well and you even saw i mean this is an- anecdotal because it's twitter but you saw you know the hilarious trend yesterday is like the goths for texas and it's all these like lefties smoking weed, like <laughs> posting videos about how we need we need to lock down the border. Yeah. So it's just this bizarre like a convergence of uh, you know signals and stuff. Like it's it's almost too much well, to handle. But the I mean, so there's there a couple elements though that that Andrew was bringing up that I think are worth worth tackling here because you know on the on the one hand we we're all I think we were cautiously hopeful a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Things are are continuing, so that's a good sign that that Abbott hasn't backed down. Even is more pressure than most governors are used to mm-hmm. at this stage. You know, we haven't seen something like this in a long time. Um, and what you know, what the ideal scenario is is to get it to a point where the the federal government basically has to act according to their their implicit messaging that we've all been objecting to for years, which is they want an open border. And so you force them not just to be negligent, but to actually open it up. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's the that's the key. And to even in in some respects, commit violence against their own people Mm -hmm. for the sake of foreigners that that, you know, message will become very clear to people if it's if there's if it's visual. Mm -hmm. But there's also this aspect that Andrew is bringing up is is a political theater, which I think is worth investigating. And CJ brought this up in the other pod as well, if I remember right, uh, I listened to so. You know, one it's one thing for um, it's very easy for these 25 governors to all say, oh, we stand with Texas. We're going to support them. You know, we're, we're going to do whatever it takes. DeSantis put out a message. He sounds like a normal person again. Robot Ron has been retired <laughs> and which is great to see. Yes. Um, but what I mean, how much of that is is simply posturing and seizing an opportunity where it's really easy to sign this letter? saying, you know, we stand with Texas. It's kind of like what many governors did for like BLM or something. You just say it. Um, and how much of it is is real and actually going to materialize um, in, in, from your guys' perspective at this point? You know, in the 20th century, one of the things we learned about the Republican Party is just how profoundly skilled they are at posturing themselves. I mean, they they have absorbed so much political bandwidth and political capital and just being um, – I mean, just the fact that they were able to absorb the potential of an opposition party for a hundred years and pretend to oppose the Democrats and the establishment object, uh, you know, objectives and priorities. Um, So it's kind of like one of those things. Like, is this for the first time since you know the 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 New Deal going to be the Republican Party that actually um, you know stands athwart history? Is that is that what's going on here? I, I think I've had the football pulled away from me too many times, you know, like in peanut style that I that I have to stay cynical. You're going to have yeah, to prove yeah. yourselves. You've done this. You know, we did this with Reagan, who has who um, put us in a really bad situation in terms of immigration and amnesty. We had the same thing with um, Bush. And then the entire neoconservative establishment uh, has been very pro immigration. And then even for the last eight, you know, 40 years or whatever, I mean, Abbott has participated in the facilitation of immigrants all over the country. So I I have to remain cynical. It's part of my own principles and my own um, – I think that's the proper stance and posture for us to take is not to take the Republican Party at their word. Yeah, that's a that's an appropriate heuristic uh, just just because like it's been demonstrated again and again and again. I mean even, even you know, more recently with things like 
like Hillary Clinton's emails or Hunter Biden's laptop. And they, they do all of these things for show on Capitol Hill. And everyone who's, who, you know, thinks like we do, uh, knows none of this is ever going to go anywhere. This is all just for fundraising letters and, mm-hmm. and, and things like that. It's not real. Uh, but I, I think where this differs is like you actually have activity on the ground taking place. Like they're actually putting up barriers in these places and ref- and refusing Supreme Court orders to to take to or to allow the Border Patrol to take them down. That's that's a little bit different. Like there's actual proof, actual evidence that they are doing something. Uh, and so that's where I depart a little bit from my, you know, kind of baseline cynicism with this. But at, at the same time, the fact that like Nikki Haley is saying that she's on the side of Abbott um, is a signal because Nikki Haley is an empty vessel for the donor class and for the neoconservative establishment in the GOP. And so if she's saying that, that means 100% she is allowed to say that. Um, and which gives me a tremendous amount of pause, right? Uh, just that alone tells me, okay, like there's, it's, it's one of those things where, where things spontaneously sort of occur. Yeah. But in her um, case, in her case though, she's going up against Donald Trump. I yeah, mean, yeah. it'd be like suicide to not say anything right now. Yeah, it would she, exactly. It's either not say anything or to counter it, you know, to counter signal it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's, I mean, it's almost like. You remember back in like 20, 2009, 2010, like the Tea Party and how there was a, a, a tremendous amount of energy in, in like grassroots conservative movement uh, to, to oppose the Obama administration, oppose bailouts, oppose all the things that the federal government was doing. And the Republicans glommed on to all of that. And what did you get? You got what? Like um, you got uh, Paul Ryan and, and guys like that. <laughs> coming into Congress and mm-hmm. they did nothing, right? They did absolutely nothing at all. They did, uh, they did less than nothing actually helped facilitate the things that were going on. Um, and so, uh, I, that's, that's their, their, their modus operandi. That's what they typically do. And so when I see all of these governors do these things and all the support that he gets, I see you know, the potential for that same thing being played out where there's a, a ton of political theater. It's, it's much ado about nothing. Um, Whereas, but at the same time, but you know, I'm almost of two minds of this. Like I, that's kind of running around in the background in my head. It's like, uh, Lucy in the football again, like CJ well, said, let's, but let's Abbott's doing something, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, he's, he's actually doing something. Let's so, get really granular it's, it's, here. It's real. There are some people involved. I mean, clearly signaling support is a very low cost move. Right. And so, yeah. yes. Um, Nikki Haley's support for this thing, if anything, is you know sort of a negative indicator of the reality of it. But but I, I think the the more optimistic interpretation that you can take is that six. I mean, sixty six percent of this country supports mass deportations. We know this. This is not controversial. There's polls. This is what it looks yeah. like when a politician you know picks up a hundred dollars off the sidewalk, and there's a cascading exactly. acclaim and approval. And Mike Johnson and people all have their complicated individual reasons for coming out in support of what Abbott's doing. Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, was preparing to stab us all in the back with a deal on the Hill. He was likely going to be supporting passage of this reported compromise deal that Senator Senator Lankford's been working on with Democrats, uh, which was a catastrophic deal. This whole hubbub this week probably killed that from what i'm hearing most recently we can't be sure yeah but 
you know, a lot of these people are sort of hopping on to some stolen valor. And, you know, that might even mm-hmm. still be the case with Abbott. You know, the, now he's, he's doing some real things on the ground, right? But Abbott has proven over time to be a champion of the dominating the Fox News cycle, getting some PR wins and not really doing anything. Um, I think the reason why this one might be different is because it is a difference of uh, it's a serious difference of degree um, in terms of the rhetoric. Uh, And then secondly, you know, there's a reality on the ground that's that's underlining this. And as we evaluate like support messages of support and how how meaningful it is, I think the extent to which other governors are sending aid and support for the border is an extremely meaningful signal. Uh, and so I think I think DeSantis has done so. Uh, I'm not sure if others have yet, but that that's where the rubber meets the road and helps us to start get a picture of how how real this really is. Yeah, I think I think what's gonna it's funny that we're recording this um, literally right now. The deadline is coming up, so by the time people listen to this, they're gonna know what kind of came of that. Um, but yeah, you do have people like Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who's probably one of the most likely to send uh, actual physical um, aid, you know, to to the border to help. Um, and and who knows if there's going to be like a, a pushback, you know, from from federal resources, and there's actually going to be a confrontation in terms of like an actual fight or, or conflict between um, the two. But those those are the types of things that are needed to really uh, make it so that Abbott has to choose. He, he you know he's got to be a man of history. There's there's going to be there's going to be a choice to be made, and no decision could be a um, you know a, a, a huge decision. Yeah, I, I mean, my idea was we just post up Mike Huckabee at the border to do bass solos until everybody leaves. But, uh, you know, the, uh, I mean, there's one thing that I think is a broader, you know, lesson for people in this is is some of this is coming to a head and we shouldn't run away from this out of the, you know, because of the self-interest, the cynical self-interest, even of these Republican governors who have not always, you know, done done what they should or have been spineless in the past on various issues which is, you know, someone like Abbott has to recognize that if in the new Texas that's envisioned by his, you know, there's political enemies in a sense, even if he's, he capitulates too often. If in the new Texas they want, someone like him and himself included could never could never be in power again, mm-hmm. right? And that's the whole point of this. And so if, if Republicans are beginning to realize that, um, it may actually, you know, spur them on to more action they would have uh, otherwise taken, you know, several years ago. But now this is because of the the obvious replacement of demographics and uh, voters. I mean, Tucker had a great, very simple video yesterday, I think, laying this out. Right. It's it, the estimates are like 22 million. So this this is huge. And if the and I think he pointed out the the largest margin in history was 17 million for presidential election. So you've just flipped the script, uh, you know, overnight almost. So if people like Abbott are starting to realize this, you know, we, it's it's American citizens should not think of this as pure ideological battles like the you know National Review wants you to think or something. This is about, um, you know, we need to press them on their own cynical interests yeah. and, and essentially set up, you know, someone like Trump, who's one extreme. So they're caught between that and then their own demise, on the other hand. Um, so they've got to choose which way they're going to go. And I think we need to recognize that's really how this always has worked. And this this uh, incident will probably expose that even further, which is not a bad thing, in my opinion. I should say, too, that, you know, Abbott spent a lot of time over the last few years, um, you know, acquiring a lot of like corporate headquarters, 
you know, talking about how much of a freer business atmosphere is going to be and drawing a lot of employers from California where I live. Um, that's always been a shoot yourself in the foot in terms of immigration. I mean, that's all the cheap labor is going to come uh, to corporate America. That's where that's who wants it. So I, that that to me seems like a really stupid decision. It was always the Chamber of Commerce Republicans that were on the leading edge of open borders. Yeah, except with one very notable exception, Elon Musk is backing Abbott to the hilt on this, which is amazing yeah. to see. Um, but yes, I, I totally yeah. agree in general. Um, I, I want to get a um, a take on the border situation on the table and get your reactions, Andrew and CJ. So I've seen a line of argumentation, and I, I think, um, is it Mystery Grove? Uh, publisher uh, wrote wrote an extended article about this. Yes. Uh, the basic idea is, you know, don't do anything too crazy, Abbott. Uh, you know, Biden is really struggling in the polls. the The immigration crisis is terrible for him. Ultimately, it it needs to be solved by a by a strong president at a federal level, including you know, if you're going to do mass deportations, that's that's something you you're really going to need to have happening at a presidential level. So don't do anything stupid that turns public opinion. Um, like extricate yourself from the situation and get a, you know, give, give Biden a black eye, but don't do anything too big and let, let Donald win and take over uh, at the end of the year. Um, what do you, what do you make of that? Um, <laughs> that's a, that's a tricky one. Um, so in my opinion in okay so from a from a realpolitik perspective actually um i think that republicans at the local level tend to perform better when they're in a mode of pushing back against the federal government and that requires actually a democrat um controlled executive branch in washington i think that um Nobody said it. I mean, Trump was issuing huge. I mean, the, the amount of illegal immigrants that came in during Trump's administration is actually pretty, pretty uh, amazing. It's, it's, it's it, it grew. The amnesties grew. Um, the, the number of uh, deportations, I think, were were smaller than ever before. So I, I think that when Republican at the local level, at state levels, when they see themselves as um, like being the, the little guy against the Democrats in Washington, that's when they perform the best. So. I think that he needs to go now. I think he needs to take advantage of the momentum, and I think he needs to make the the Biden administration declare war on Texas and local levels right before the election. Either way, I think he has to push this and make the the federal government um, show themselves as pushing back against U.S. citizens in order to open the border for foreigners. I think it has to be now. Yeah, I think I, I don't know if you read read the article, CJ. Um... I, I think I'm I'm largely in agreement with it only only because um if if it does like the doomsday scenario of things spiraling out of control where where you know Abbott you know like we said earlier is is in for a penny in for a pound like he's not going to back down he has to go all the way which is is sort of what it seems like now especially if he's not going to submit to this ultimatum and so forth um. You know, I mean, just like game plan that out in your head, what happens, right? Well, Biden administration cuts off federal funds to Texas and every every domain that they can. Um, and then what? what's the recourse there? It's like, well, we, we're not going to send federal tax payments to 
you know, from Texas to the federal government, right? We're going to, you know, and like, and it just keeps escalating, escalating until, until you'd reach the point where there's actual violence. Um, and that would be extremely bad, obviously, um, and extremely bad, not only from like the standpoint of like war, war in general is, is bad. Violence is bad, but also it's, it's not something that, I mean, it's not 1860 where you have states that are still very sovereign and are able to like field an army and and put up a fight against the federal government for, for three or four years, right? You don't you don't you don't have that at all, right? It's not it's not there, and it would the the, the kind of destruction and collapse that would occur um, is is really unfathomable, and it probably the likelihood is it would not go well for our people at all. Um, you know, Andrew, I, I don't, I think that there's a lot of people in the federal military that would go AWOL and join Texas. I, I think especially, so too. Especially yeah. in Texas. Yeah. Well, I think, I think so too. Yeah. The not, you know, I, I think there's a, a, a ton of them that, that would absolutely, but um, they still have a, a huge amount of power. And I mean, what have they been doing with the military the last 20 or 30 years, right? They've been, you know, replacing the population and they've been replacing the officer corps where the officer corps is totally loyal to the regime. And so you're not going to have defections from, from like colonels or generals or things like that. You're, you know, it'll be like privates and stuff. So, um, I, I think, and that's not a thing to like bank on either. It's like, Oh, we'll get 20% of the military on our side or something like that. You know, like I, I think, I think like game planning that out, it would not go, as well as people think, I think it would be an absolute disaster. And so you don't want to go down that road, but you want to do, I mean, almost everything short of that. You want them to go all in on opening the border and in this public visible way, because like you look at it, right. When you have the, the Fox news guy, what, what's the um, Peter Ducey, you know, talking to the press secretary in the white house, say asking about the border and things like that. What do they say? It's like, Oh, there's no crisis on the border. It's not open borders. We we're, President Biden is securing the border and they, they say all this kind of stuff, right? While at the same time, they totally are opening the border and everybody knows it, right? So they know it's totally, un, it, it, completely unpopular to have this open border and this flood of millions of, of, of people coming to the country. Um, and so now what, what, what Abbott has done and what all of this is, it has been is forcing them to publicly admit in the most obvious way that they that this is what their priority is, right? That they just have been lying about this stuff all the time. And, and, and so, yeah, even, I mean, you granted that, you know, Trump was, was largely very powerless in his administration to affect the kinds of things that, that policy wise that he wanted regarding immigration. Um, I think the kind of mandate that we would have where the election is about this issue, right? That's, that's what at this point, it, the 2024 election is about immigration and he is polling extremely well everywhere. And, and if he gets in, he has this mandate to deal with the border, deal with immigration. And he, I mean, he's campaigning on, uh, on mass deportation, which he should be able to do just via executive order. Um, and so I, I, I look at it like that's probably the, the best outcome and we should want to pursue that. And I, I think like fantasizing about, oh, well, maybe, maybe there will be a civil war. Like that's, I mean, people love to fed post and do that kind of stuff, but I, I think it, it's, it's foolish to go down that road. Um, 
because I mean, for multiple different reasons, uh, but it's not just, it's not just foolish, but like, as we talked about, this is the clash of group interests and there's no significant group interests that, that, um, a civil war would, would, uh, be, would, they would advocate for a civil war. There's no one doing that. Pursue it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so it's just, it's just, who's going to fold first. They're playing chicken. You know, that's, that's the question. And I think it's, it's going to have to be the Biden administration that folds. Right. And that, that's what that's what I hope is, is that they're they're forced into into actually closing the border, into actually deporting people. Right. Which they they do not want to do. Um, and it, it's it's about forcing uh, the Biden administration's hand much more than it is like pursuing, you know, like taking us down the road to civil war, which would be an absolute, um, absolute disaster for for everyone and long Long term, I mean, at least in my opinion, um, you know, when, well, I did Fed post a little bit yesterday. I said we had to go liberate New Hampshire because it's all alone up there. Um, after Tucker takes Canada, he'll grab New Hampshire on the way back down to rendezvous at Eagle Pass. But the, um, no, the, you know, one long term thing that, it, that it's it's certainly less present, but as I see it, you know, if let's say the Biden administration's hand is forced where they basically just have to have to let it alone for the time being, because it's an election year and they're going to try to apply some pressure to Abbott, but they're not going to, you know, go much further than they already have. Once this, you know, 24 hours, uh, you know, sort of deadline is violated, presumably, that's what I'm going to assume now. Um, you know, it's a question of what you, what you keep doing, because you're just going to keep losing if you keep, if, you know, keep taking this this path. So if they just let it alone and let let Texas do what they want and kind of manage it, what it does long term is now opens up um, a new state of affairs. And, you know, Dobbs, hopefully we were hoping signaled this It didn't signal it as strongly as we wanted to, where states are able to take more initiative and, and exert more sovereignty over a range of issues. I mean, something that's a, a sort of hobby horse of mine is talking about, um, you know, the Everson case in 1947 that incorporates, you know, uh, the, the establishment clause. Right. Which is something I think should be overturned, but it's on uh, not just immigration issues, but a range of issues where states can begin to exert more sovereignty and self-determination uh, would be an outcome that I, that I would hope would, would come from this. Um, it just makes it a little easier because um, a lot of what states defer to uh, the federal government on is not because of any constitutional restriction or even a Supreme Court case, but just because they're kind of lazy and maybe a, a little bit afraid of defying uh, you know, the capital's interests. Um, but they, this may open up a situation where governors um, can either become more self-confident or more self-confident ones, uh, you know, step up and, and get elected and so on and so forth. So that would be, you know, sort of a broader thing that I, I hope would would come out of this. Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I think it, you're, you're right. Like this is the the outcome is certainly in the long term is. <sighs> Is that that the states are able to assert much more power over issues like this, right? That that's that's what I'm hopeful for out of this. You know, when we when we talk about the political theater and all the various you know interests of of cynical politicians and, and, and so forth, um, like using those things to affect these kind of outcomes is is should be should be our priority. Not not thinking that like. Uh, there's going to be this huge standoff between the federal government and and he's going to send the 101st Airborne Division to fight the Texas National Guard or, or whatever. Like, um, I, I don't think we should be pining. Obviously, we <laughs> we shouldn't be pining for that or wanting that. Um, 
but rather being able to assert this power and and to I mean because this this rolls back um you know decades or even even a century of states losing power to the federal government and to be able to to flex in this way and to try to gain back some of it is is huge it's 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 massive and and so all right and I, I think I mean this is stuff that we've We've talked, uh, you know, CJ and I have talked about before, uh, you know, stuff that we've talked with like Charles Haywood about, um, you know, the kind of, you know, and Charles is very much an, an accelerationist. He wants, he wants stuff to, to be, continue to, to unfold and, and uh, fall apart in this way. And, and, and we've talked, you know, about like national divorce, you know, and I, I've been very uh, skeptical of, of like national divorce and civil war and things, things like that. Um, at, on their own, but rather the, the direction you want it to go is, you know, states just naturally asserting this authority and, and operating the way that, that they view is right. Cause you already have that on the left. You already have states like, like CJ's California, that just do whatever they want, right? They've had sanctuary cities for, for decades now. And regardless of what the federal government does or Colorado uh, was the first state to to push marijuana uh, legalization, you know, contra federal law. And so, you know, the left has already had this for quite some time and to see it begin to coalesce on the right is, is really good. Uh, and, and I think that's the direction forward where it's not going to be like this national divorce where the states secede and, and do things like that, but they're going to spiritually, I suppose, you know, uh, secede. Right. In, in the sense that they just so they just don't listen the, to the feds anymore. The, the problem, yeah. Andrew, is like I think that <clears throat> the immigration issue is so um, vital to yeah. to what um, to, to what the establishment wants for the North American continent <clears throat> and for globalization in general. Mm -hmm. You can't accomplish their uh, meta ob objectives without the border mm -hmm. issue. So it's not like. Yeah. You know, Abbott will be, you know, call it a W and then everyone will go home. Mm -hmm. I mean, these things, these things have to metastasize. They have yep. to grow. Um, and, and, and I think that the, the federal government and the interests behind it, they have no ability to just let this thing be a state issue at all. Yeah. They're going to push this thing until they win. The left doesn't retreat. It, it no. continues to push. They get one win. They go to the next win. They get one win. They, they take a loss. They double down, triple down, and they put um, a, a incredibly perverse. I mean, this is what happens. This is what happened in Europe over the last you know, 70 years. The United yeah. States gets its way come hell or high water. And I don't think that I don't think these things on the right will be as um allowed to go on in the same way that California's more leftist uh, uh you know objectives might so I, I don't really see yeah. them as as able to do that I, I think that it would it, it's so important to their vision that these things continue to take place that they will fight this to their death yeah, I mean I, I mean gonna, I mean I, the other thing yeah. too is it's not just the it's not just the uh, the Biden administration it's it's not just the you know the big money there the far left is is been pushing them leftwards for a while they have a vision a utopia in mind and they're going to work until they get it they've dedicated you know life blood capital everything to their cause and they're not going to let one state get in the way of that yeah yeah, I I completely agree with that I mean the, it's always this problem with with lots of discussions on the right of you know, it's easy to fall into, well, let's just reverse engineer or let's copycat the, the left's strategies, right? And we'll be able to to meet them on the field kind of in kind. The the reason, you know, sanctuary cities in violation of, of federal law technically 
have been allowed to flourish is because they're it's it's actually an outpost or you know a, a proxy for furthering the the establishment's goals. So of course they're allowed to just do it, right? It's a, it's an accelerated version because it's in the right environment. Um, but of course they're allowed to do it. Whereas Abbott, you know, is in a totally different situation. It's going to be combated. Um, it, it's not going to be allowed to, it, you know, the, the federal government, the, the establishment is not looking for multiplicity of ways of life. They do want conformity. They do want, um, you know, across the board. So the ones that are, that accelerate that, uh, those, those insular kind of municipalities, that's of course acceptable because it's a preview of the future. It looks good. It's good. Um, anything retrograde or, or anachronistic to them is, is not going to be allowed, you know, uh, injustice anywhere, you know, it's not going to be tolerated. So the, this is not acceptable to them. Um, so I do think that, that state governors, if they're really going to do this, need to sort of lock in for contestation on, you know, multiple fronts. And, uh, you know, again, as, as CJ was getting at kind of the, the pathologies and attitude of the left, I mean, they, they're also very good at being, um, you know, at, at, in wars of attrition. They're very good at that. That's how they've gotten to where they are. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the, the right is, um, more likely to, in general, secede in any environment, right? We see, we've seen this in the universities, wherever it will just, fine, we will go build our own Google or we'll try. And, uh, you know, that, that's our attitude instead of sticking it out. So there's, it's going to take some stamina out of the right that I don't know if they've actually yeah, built up. Yeah, this is this has always been the inherent problem of conservatism. The left has total victory in mind, and these are trends that have taken that have well in, in some in some ways they they're trends that go back centuries, right? Um, French Revolution and all that. In other ways, these are you know these are trends that that were birthed in the '60s, and the grandfathers of these movements and these open borders objectives are dead, and their spiritual children live on, and they will continue to pass on this this um, this vision to their posterity. And it's this eternal battle between right and left. And conservatives have this real you know, strong difficulty in understanding that there is no secession because the left wants total victory. You don't think, you know, I mean, like, it, it, like there, there is like if, if Texas actually succeeded in pushing back the Biden administration, all they did is buy time. These mm -hmm. things, these mm -hmm. things will fall apart until the left is defeated, if, if that's even possible. Well, and let's be very granular about like what the range of action is that we're debating here. I don't think any of us are, you know, have gotten close to advocating for some LARP around secession or, you know, anything like that. But I mean, there, there's very specific mm -hmm. ways in which this new defiant attitude can be employed by Abbott in the coming weeks. Again, very particular flashpoint that we're talking about right here. One specific location on the border uh, where Abbott's been directed to allow Border Patrol to enter, and he said no. The political theater has been so good on the part of Texas that it's i really i really think it's going to be the biden administration that blinks on this one okay but this is just like one very tiny little point <clears throat> and then there's a number of other upcoming discrete uh flashpoints that we're going to have um probably the biggest one is going to be um the the supreme court case on the actual texas laws that were passed uh so that's coming down the pike and then of course remember too uh this whole injunction around removing wire fencing, all of that was just preliminary. The, the final substantive hearing on that case has not even been made yet. So that's going to be finally resolved probably on an expedited basis at some point this year, at which point there's another opportunity for a flashpoint. And I think part of what we're saying here is 
We don't. Is that before the? Is that before the election? Is that before November? When is that? On the wire fence. I don't. The, yeah, the hearings. Don't know, I yeah, don't okay. know when that will be. It's it's happening on an expedited basis, so it's not. I mean, the timing is really bad for the Biden administration. Yes, mm-hmm. and, and and so so the, so the mystery growth position, I think, is hey, good work at Eagle Pass, Abbott, but like otherwise, take your foot off the gas pedal, don't rock the boat, let's get to November. And I think, yeah, but, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, as long yeah, well, I mean, it, you have yeah. to so. These these types of situations are like the product of very specific circumstances. They're like the the product of events and occasions that that built the momentum. Um, and it's really you know it's it's I I can see the argument that they're making, um, but it seems like a gamble to lose the momentum for for some upcoming hope because you know it's 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 really hard for a, a president to just initiate some new crisis. There it has to be the product of actual um, clash and conflicts within you know, the mm-hmm. legal or political realm, just like this happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, it sounds like the Mystery Grove argument is largely dependent on Trump, right? So that that we're going to have victory in November. I mean, so it's discounting all the shenanigans that are going to take place between now and then. Um, and you would also risk losing the momentum that would, I mean, we, back to the sort of cynical politician's point, I mean, we have to think of Trump in this way as well, right? You need to you need to force him to to do something. It's not you know necessarily that he's disinclined to do it, but you do need to ha- create the scenario that uh, demands more aggressive action. Um, as CJ raised earlier, I mean, we really d- didn't get in the first term what everyone you know wanted, not just in terms of the wall, but in terms of uh, you know shutting down the the flow of immigrants. It, even though obviously it was uh, increased under Biden. Um, so I think that that's that's holding out hope for something that we have no evidence of, of uh, you know, success in the past on. So that the other that thing seems like where it's landing. The other thing too is like you can close the border and you can completely militarize it, which is you know that's great. But um, these people are coming from somewhere. I mean, this is an inter- this is a um, a foreign policy issue. You have to stop them way down south. I mean, El Salvador, Guatemala. You have to start. Um, at the at the foreign policy level, I mean, these people should not be on the border. What, what are they going to do? Just have millions of people just sitting there on the border crying? Like they're they're not going to um, be able to achieve something by just securing and militarizing the border. This is also something that's uh, a point in Mystery Grove's favor because you have to have executive uh, um, involvement, you know, federal federal involvement in order to handle things at the international level. You have to start way down south. You have to work with people like, you know, like El Salvador. You have to work with Bukele. There's people down there that would participate, um, you know, even maybe Argentina, but like people way down there have to start getting involved too. This isn't just a Texas thing. This is an international policy thing. Yeah, it's, it's, you look at it like um, the, the United States uh, federal government is able to like, provoke Ukraine into fighting a war with Russia, right? And and exert mm-hmm. this massive force. Like we're basically they're like a puppet government of the of NATO, right? Well, why can't they do the similar thing to Mexico? Right? Mm-hmm. Why can't they why can't they just install a puppet like Zelensky in Mexico and say your job is to keep anyone from coming here? Like you don't even need to militarize the border. Right. That's like a exactly. properly functioning American foreign policy that uh, that pursues the interest of actual Americans wouldn't wouldn't have this crisis at all whatsoever. Like it would not be happening if if 
they're able to exert that kind of pressure. Like the United, the U.S. federal government is, like you said earlier, the most powerful you know regime in in world history, and so they can exert pressure wherever they want. They could tell Mexico to do whatever they want them to do. A good example. So it, yeah. A good example of this. A good example of this is Orban in Hungary. Um, yeah. They don't have any. They don't have people lining up at the border. Why is that? Like they, they've closed their borders, but why don't they have you know huge masses of people standing there at the border? It's because he took care of things at their root. He banned international finance and NGOs yeah. and you know and, and people that were funneling and, and funding and um, fueling and facilitating all of these masses to you know to spread around Europe. He he hit he hit the problem at its root, and that's why he's been so successful on it. Well, that's and that's what we have right now here in our country. We we have our own tax dollars to the tune of of like tens or hundreds of millions of dollars going to Catholic charities and Lutheran social services and World Relief and and all these different NGOs to facilitate this stuff. Right? I mean, Mayorkas was on the board of of the the Jewish version of this and immediately becomes the the head of the Department of of Homeland Security. Right. I mean, and, and, and it's facilitating all of it. Right. There's not that's not a coincidence that he was a, like a main player in one of these NGOs. Um, and so, yeah, like just that alone, like if you were able to clamp down on these NGOs, start prosecuting their people, all, all of this kind of stuff, it would end because you don't have, you know, it, is, it isn't just people from Central America streaming into the country. It's, it's people from Africa. It's people from from China and Asia uh, and, mm-hmm. and India that are streaming into the country. How did they get there? Right? They didn't swim across the ocean. Like people paid for them to fly to mm-hmm. Mexico or to Central America to come up to the United States. And so yeah. this is this is a extremely well organized machine that mm-hmm. is bringing these people here that has to be stopped and you you can't do that without executive power at the federal level. That's and, a, that's a th- an aspect I think that, you know, I w- I would hope people are catching on to is that is is how um, how this is not organic, right? It's always presented as organic, right? You just yeah. have political refugees. They're so, they're so oppressed. They just want a better life. You know, didn't, you know, don't, don't you know that half the founders were immigrants? So, you yeah. know, we're a nation of immigrants. There's no baseline <laughs> for culture, nothing to protect. Um, and it'd be really unfair for you to deny them this because that's all they wanted. And then you have the image of the, you know, the nice families, uh, and, and their children being taken away, whatever, when it's actually, in fact, you know, 50,000 Chinese uh, military age men coming across every year, too. And yeah. so I, I hope that that beca- is increasingly exposed. There was good reporting in a Dallas paper not too long ago about on the Catholic side, the amount of NGOs facilitating this. Right. And that needs to be expanded because it's not just uh, the Catholics, although they're intricately involved, um, but it's a, it's an entire apparatus and uh, with with lots of shared funding. Right. The, the following the money is fairly easy in this in this respect. And then that money is also uh, on the evangelical side for the past, you know, five to 10 years, uh, fostered certain rhetoric to exploit and manipulate evangelicals into falling into line with this. I mean, the, the full pro-life womb to tomb rhetoric, uh, all this kind of stuff has completely facilitated um, evangelicals at least being passive on this issue or thinking they have no real real defense against it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we we mentioned this at the very beginning. I don't know if we were off air yet, but this is exactly what the left has done. They criticize people like you know Christian nationalists, people who employ Christian themes and Christian rhetoric on behalf of political mm-hmm. priorities. They're all over that until it comes time for them to push left wing causes, and then all of a sudden yeah. it's like Jesus isn't on my side again. 
you know, and you have to use, yeah. you know, the sympathy and love and charity <laughs> and all of the, all the phraseology. And it's like yeah. Christian, uh, Christian nationalism. It's, it's the same thing. I mean, we, we, a Christian border yeah. policy happens to line up with the interests of the most powerful leftist oligarchs in, in the world. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, that's exactly what happens. It's, it's this clash of models and one is hegemonic and the other one is on the outside. And therefore, um, you're allowed to use, employ Jesus for left-wing causes, but not, uh, mm -hmm. Christian history mm -hmm. for right-wing causes. Yeah, exactly. And the and the only defense, I mean, the only defenses against, you know, open border policies, which is always it, it's always been a matter of degree. Right. Just, uh, well, you know, orderly open border or something like that is basically what a lot of Republicans have talked about over the past several <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah. You know, as long as it's like an orderly procession, something like, uh, you know, a little less excitable than than J6. But in that territory, somewhere yeah, I'm, I'm down uh, with an orderly deportation. How's that? Yes, exactly. And, uh, or, or, you know, so they, um, that's been, you know, kind of the, the approach. And, uh, and a lot of that is also, you know, it's, it's economic arguments have been the only ones asserted. Um, and, and those are easy to kind of squirrel around, uh, if you're just saying, well, as long as the economy is secure, look how much, you know, immigrants produce. I mean, this is total Reaganite material, mm -hmm. right? Uh, mm -hmm. it's libertarian economics of, of this is actually good for us. And so, that makes you th if you think of yourself as an economic zone and as an economic unit existing in that zone, which is basically what how uh, th these people want you to think of yourself, then it's hard to argue against that. But if you that one of the problems with the Christian nationalist, you know, kind of faction for these people is they're asserting more insofar as they talk about immigration, they're asser asserting earlier 20th century arguments um, about immigration of you know, questions of culture and assimilation and the extent to which you can actually handle uh, newcomers and, and foreigners. And, and then a question of what type of foreigners do you do you want? Which ones, you know, actually assimilate because they still had a baseline culture that was predominant and described, Amer you know, heritage America, whatever you want to call it. But we've totally lost that. So now the only thing to defend is your economic interest. And the Uniparty is, is very easily able to convince most people that's actually good for you. You know, mm -hmm. things are going to be great. Um, so that's a that's like a deep rooted. We said or I said earlier, you know, it's not really ideological at this point. Mm -hmm. We need to think in terms of, of power and cynicism. But if the, on the other hand, the rhetoric and the uh, convincing the average person to just let it happen to them is has been orchestrated for decades to make it so that the brain yes. worms are, are so deep. And uh, that's a long term process Correct. to get that out of people. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, like people's instincts and political demeanor is the result of the culture that was manufactured for them. They were born into it yes. and they were raised in it. And it's really hard to undo that. It takes generations. Yes. Yeah. And the, the left understood. I mean, the only thing to do is to, is to start working on it. The left understood this, you know, before the before the 60s uh, started working on it. So it's, sure. it's a long term project. That's, I mean, that's the purpose and, of critical yeah. theory. You know, that's, yeah. that's why, that's why the left is more correct than the mainstream. People aren't individuals that come to things by rational inquiry uh, on a neutral mm -hmm. basis. I mean, people are the product mm -hmm. of their institutions and, mm -hmm. you know, the left mm -hmm. says that, you know, we're the product of like patriarchal institutions and all this stuff. And so they recognized that and employed their own um, long march to undermine the, the old hegemony and create a new one. And, and, and yeah. the world that we're seeing yeah. now is the product of that. So, yes. yeah, the left is more correct than mainstream. They understood the model that they needed to conquer, and they successfully pulled it off. That's why, that's why I never reviewed Kristen Dumais' book because uh, – sorry, Dr. Kristen Dumais. Because, <laughs> um, you know, she, 
I, I I read it and was just like, you know, the real the real way to fight this is to be like, you know what, you're basically right, and that all sounds great to me. Now, what do you got? And <laughs> if you do that, you totally just hack the system, right? Like this, yeah, yes. this sounds basically good. But mm-hmm. if you try to, you know, unpack it and and fight them on their own terms, you just lose yeah. because there's a sense in which they're actually correct, and this is a battle over ways of life. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. sorry if, if you don't like it, but th- this is the way we're going to do things is is really the only argument. That's how they treat us. Exactly. Right. So um, so it's it's the only way. And, and but but again, Christians generally, certainly evangelicals are just not conditioned to think that way because it's it's very masculine discourse um, in a now feminized uh, you know, public sphere. So it's you can't figure out how to do it. And um, also it's, it, you know. You've been conditioned to think uh, that it that it is actually all bad. You have a, you have an immense amount of guilt and uh, timidity that that you know doesn't allow you to enter the space to begin with. And then if you do, you're fighting with a bunch of girls, so it's it's hard to figure <laughs> out what to do. So. Yeah, girls of both sexes, <laughs> girls of all of all anatomies. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> well, guys, look, this is this has been great. I know you you've got um of other other recordings to do today as well. Um, so let's, let's get in a round of, of sort of parting thoughts on these issues. Um, we've basically stuck with, with the border and immigration, which I think is appropriate. Um, but I think we've expanded it, uh, in our analysis sufficiently. So parting, parting thoughts on this. Yeah. I mean, my, my parting thought ultimately is that, um, things are not going to get better until there's political conflict. I mean, there's mm-hmm. this idea that people in Washington, um, they they don't get along and nobody agrees with each other. Actually, the problem has been there's a uniparty and everybody gets along and they're all on the same team and they're on the team of the anti-American uh, ideology. And I think people need to realize what we need right now is more political confrontation. Yes. We need to realize mm-hmm. that, that politics is the clash of group interests. We need to organize mm-hmm. and we need to exercise power, um, not just against like the little guy. I mean, the point of power is not to, to just create this totalitarian situation, but it's actually the point of power is that it is to be exercised against other blocks of power that seek your demise. So we need mm-hmm. more political conflict. We need more uh, governors who don't get along with Washington or with each other. And that's the way out. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Sorry, I said we were closing out, but now that this is this is the other brain worm. This is the other problem is is people are you know Americans have been conditioned too by liberalism to think of politics. Uh, the point of politics is conflict mitigation to them, and that's that's not the case, right? You you can't act, especially at this stage. Uh, I mean, we talk about this a lot, me and Josh do, but the um, in when you have a sufficient degree of homogeneity, there's a certain liberality in dealing with each other that is that is probably desirable. You right. you can do that. When those things are eroded, and and one of the critiques I always have of our American system is we didn't include sufficient mechanisms of maintaining homogeneity so that you could have the liberality. Mm-hmm. So that that's gone. Correct. And now when you're at this point of heterogeneity. Um, the return of real politics, really debating and 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 fighting o- over um, things that again touch upon ways of life. And when you're at that point of conflict, politics has to be a clash. It has to be a fight. Um, otherwise, what are we doing? Because you're you're literally uh, you know you have different diametrically opposed ways of being and ways of relating that are being inserted. Um, and, and the very definition of, of yourselves is at stake. So, of course, and, it needs to be and that's And that's another way that the left is more correct than the mainstream. They've recognized it's yes. the clash of friends yeah. and enemy. They, they recognized that back in the 60s. I mean, they, they were reading Carl Schmitt in the 60s. The left was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think uh, Colin Redimer always says uh, you may not be interested in Schmidt. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry, Andrew, I cut you off, but that, that no, was that's that's a worthy to tangent to to break into. Um, yeah, I guess my my final thoughts uh, are are similar to CJ's and and what we were were kind of getting at there, which is the the right is learning and has to learn how to do politics and how to how to view politics how to uh, assert itself in this way like i mean the perfect example that you gave is uh dr Kristen dumay's book right you, you just look at mm-hmm. you just dismiss it right that's the point you don't argue with people on good faith mm-hmm. because they're not operating in good faith mm-hmm. you just say okay that's your program that's your project that's the the hegemonic power you wish to wield and ours is different and better and good mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. and it conforms to the the good mm-hmm. the true and the beautiful it conforms to the the way that god made the world your your view of things is insane and we're going to win right that's the attitude mm-hmm. that the right mm-hmm. has to have and it's it's beginning to happen like even even with this issue of of immigration yeah. right you don't see like you you see the thing where they they wanted to to pin you know the the migrants that drowned and turn it into this humanitarian mm. story and look how evil Greg Abbott is and Texas is and things like that. And it, it isn't, it's not working anymore. You mm. don't have the AOC going down to the kids yeah. in cages for the photo shoot. Like that stuff doesn't work anymore yeah. on the right. Like it used to, right. You used to be like, Oh yeah, I feel yeah. so bad. Now it's like, no, this, the question is, are we going to have a country or not? And I want to have a country and mm. it it's going to take using force. It's going to take repelling people coming here and, and, and people be, are beginning to have the stomach for the fight. And, mm-hmm. and so that, that's yeah. a huge change that has occurred. I mean, people are be- finally beginning to see this. And I'm optimistic for it uh, for the long term. The near term is, is still very bleak. But uh, the long term you know, looks good, mm-hmm. especially the, the younger generations are, are beginning to see these things. See, you know, it, it's not a coincidence. The, mm-hmm. the guys, you, know, you, you bring up Carl Schmidt, the, <clears throat> the guys that are reading Carl Schmidt and, and thinking about politics in these terms and friend-enemy distinction and so forth are, are, are guys who are under 40, largely, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can look mm-hmm. at, at some of the polling and things like this uh, among the Zoomer generation. It actually looks a lot better than it does when you compare it to like the boomers and the millennials mm-hmm. and so forth. So, um, I'm yeah. I'm I'm encouraged uh, that things are are going to get better and that there's actually going to be fights. There's going to be conflict like this. There's going to be more stuff like Greg Abbott standing up to the feds um, because the will is finally beginning to be summoned. And and, and so that that um, that fires me up. That gets me going. I'm I'm happy and I'm I'm happy yeah. to play a tiny role in that in encouraging people along these lines. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always reminded to bring up the, uh, you know, all the all the magisterial reformers mostly were like under 50. Now, they were all dead by the time yeah, they were like yeah. mid-50s, right? Because life sucked back then. So that's not comforting. But they're all very young guys, right? <laughs> Relatively speaking. Um, and and so you do, you do see this sort of, uh, you know, a similar trend with the with the age age gap you're talking about of, of people under 50 right now. Uh, under 40 certainly are just the programming mm-hmm. is breaking right They're they're no longer and and a lot of what this brings back is another good political instinct which is discrimination and everyone's everyone freaks we've been programmed to think that's a bad word right but the it, to just say you know what that's fine there's there's um not everything needs to be universalized that's a that's a problem with our our programming is everything is universal therefore 
um, you're, you're kind of in this amalgam of generality, right? There's no, there's no way to, to make decisions. But if you, if you revive an instinct of discrimination of saying, great, I mean, if, you know, there's another way of life that could exist that would be fine. Um, but we do it this way and I like it this way. And I really don't need an argument <laughs> past that. This yeah, is just yeah, the way yeah. I want things to 100%. be. Yep. And, um, and so that was my point with Demay. I'm like, fine, you don't like it, whatever. I mean, since we're both operating on the same plane now, I can just say, uh, your analysis is irrelevant That's to me. Right. I don't That's care. Right. And <laughs> saying I don't yeah. care is like a really good thing for people on the right yeah. to start adopting is I just don't care about that. I don't it's need to like, defend it. It's like when Stephen uh, Wolf was like, okay, you know, who's Emmett Till, <laughs> right? Like, you right, just, right. It, like, it's not part of my motivating, it's not part of my political mm-hmm. motivation, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, what they hate. It, that's what they hate. You have exactly. to have the have right opinion. It they yeah yeah it's it's not only yes, that you, you have to care. yeah you have to care you have to know you have to you have to be in on the uh, the narratives what's important what's a priority yeah yeah you have to and you have to care in the way they want you to care right it wasn't about like the the Twitter explosion on that one was all about oh you must be so dumb and uneducated which is code on the left for you don't care the right you haven't you haven't been appropriately educated in the Mm -hmm. manners exactly the manners and ways of of understanding the world and so you know that's that's vexing to them to just totally uh, (laughs) you know juke it and and be like um i don't even know what you're talking about which which is you know this is like a this is like a yarvin strategy right is just be like i don't know what that is (laughs) and it drives them crazy they're like no you have to know you You have have to to care and be like right i you know i don't so um it's a great it's a great tactic. Not not everybody uh, in their in, depending on where they're situated can use it effectively, but those that can, it's extremely effective, and you see it in real time. And um, and and it is kind of a, a white pill in that way because they're so, it reveals that they're so programmed they can't help but react, even in a way that is self defeating to them because it exposes you know the the hypocrisies and their their own insanity. I mean it's it's a it, it's a sort of cultish insanity. Um, because they actually do freak out. They should just ignore Stephen. Like, why don't they ignore Stephen? Yeah. That's really dumb. Uh, That's but they right. can't help themselves, right? So, um, yeah, it shows you the way out is actually very, uh, you know, very easy to uh, to locate. Um, anyway, guys, this this was great. Um, we we should have you on again for sure uh, to talk more about this, especially as this uh, this whole thing unfolds. I think it's it's bringing up lots of lots of different adjacent topics that are that are connected that that are it's really going to be an opportunity to unpack them and talk about them a lot more um so we have to have you on again um josh had to had to hop but he'll be back next time as well um everyone should follow the podcast and follow us on on twitter at am reformer and then guys do you want to give your your contact info as it were uh, for people to follow your work yeah um just con- at contra mortar for on twitter um, go from and, there. And yeah, for me at Boniface option on, on Twitter and, and, and Gab and our, our YouTube is uh Contra Mundum. You can search it and find it there. Um, I, I think you'll probably have links, uh, for it as well, mm-hmm. but, yeah, uh, we'll yeah, we'll you can fi- find us there on YouTube and then wherever people get podcasts, Spotify, Apple, so forth. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully people will check it out cause we, we record every week and, uh, talk about whatever is, whatever is currently going on that's right (laughs) i love it um all right guys awesome and uh to the audience thanks for listening as always and uh we'll be back next week talk to you then you can find american reformer on the internet at www.americanreformer.org 
or on x.com, formerly Twitter, at AM Reformer. Don't forget to like, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Please consider supporting us today by making a tax-deductible donation through our secure online donation portal at AmericanReformer.org. That's AmericanReformer.org.